Hey friends, welcome back to Raw Nomadic Lens. I'm your host, Sherry Michelle. Let's go. So, wow, do I have something major to share with you guys. I went to Taos, New Mexico to visit my mother, who's been estranged from the family for many, many years. And we've had a difficult relationship my entire life. Literally from the day she brought me home from the hospital, she has been competing with me. This is what my dad told me in my 20s. So, as you can imagine, we haven't had a great relationship, to say the least. I've extended the olive branch numerous times. Phone call, email, text, and it always just blew up in my face. But I thought, you know, it would be so sad to leave this planet not having a relationship with any of your kids. Um... My sister was the only one that ever visited her, and she came back saying it was an absolute nightmare. And, of course, my sister has since passed away. She was the only one, actually, who continued to talk to my mother, and I now know my mother really misses that. So I decided to come down here and see her. I wanted to clear my conscience, make an effort, know that I made an effort um, to see her. She's getting older. She's very frail. She's not in good health. So I thought I was doing it for my dad and for my mother, who I've called Dixie for many, many, many years. She hasn't been a mother to me in a very long time. And, uh, you know, I had a difficult childhood with her, but I know why she is the way she is. She did not have an easy childhood either. She carries a lot of pain with her surrounding that. She was an only child. She was not shown any affection by either of her parents. And this just left this gaping wound. And so I really felt for her. And I felt for her parents too because I know that they were not shown affection either. They just didn't have the tools. Everyone did the best they could. And as you get older, you start to see this and you have more and more pieces of the puzzle. And you just have a great deal of empathy for these people that are in so much pain. That being said, I was not expecting to feel like a little girl the night before meeting up with her. I planned to meet her for tea at the most because she's hurt me so badly in the past. Um, I'm not afraid of much these days. I've faced a lot of fears, conquered a lot of fears. I really, I just don't fear much anymore. I'm older and you know, I, you, you see a lot by this time. And, uh, to say that I was completely blindsided by the fear I was experiencing the night before meeting up with her, it's almost an understatement. I ate what my dad would used to say, everything but the cupboard door handles. I cried. I talked to my dad, who's been gone for over 30 years, but I talked to my dad on a regular basis. 
I talked to my sister who has been gone for a couple of years and who, you know, both of those people knew more than anyone what I was facing. But you know what? It's just like Joseph Campbell says, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. I didn't know I was seeking any treasure. Honest to God, you know, Kara, my former friend in Canada, she was so dead set against me visiting my mother. She'd say, what do you think you're going to get out of this? Do you think she's going to magically become your mother, a mother, you know, just because you go visit her? You know, do not go down there. And I knew she was speaking from her own fear, from her own relationship with her mother. We both had really, really challenging relationships with our mothers. So I just took that with a grain of salt. I knew that I needed to do it. I knew my dad would want me to do it. And I knew my my mother needed me to do this, that it was the right thing to do. I was not expecting anything. I wasn't even expecting her to show up. She can be really flaky that way. So even though we had talked about me coming to visit, I thought there was a less than 50% chance that she would actually show up. Um, My mother has borderline personality disorder, but it was never properly diagnosed for her. When my dad was dying of cancer, I was seeing a therapist and he started asking me a lot of questions about her and it was like he had a checklist everything he said I was like yeah does she do this yeah what about this and this oh my gosh yes yes all of those things and he said that's borderline personality disorder and by the time my mother went off and estranged herself from our family and we had some time and space to breathe and recover My sister picked up right where she'd left off. And that was really hard because um, when my sister wasn't using drugs or alcohol, sometimes I just wanted to go to her house when I visited because I lived in Chicago and they lived in Iowa and just see her and my niece and nephew and I didn't even want to visit anybody else. Um, We just had so much fun. But when she was using... She was a holy terror to me a lot of the time, which is heartbreaking because it's like you see one of your favorite people disappear over and over again. I know many of you know what that's like. And so it was different because my mother and I were never best friends, but my sister and I had periods where we were super close there were so many times I would show up at her house and we'd have the same purse or we'd be wearing the same shoes and we live five hours apart. So my sister was also the only one who really, really, really understood how difficult my relationship was with my mother and how she was always competing with me. I had been a present to my dad, a gift His first wife didn't want kids, and he really did. So by the time my mother came along, um, she knew that's what he wanted more than anything, and so she gave him a present. And then it was like the day I was born, she realized it had blown up in her face because now she was going to have to take care of this thing. And it was stealing all the attention. (laughs) 
My dad said the day he brought us home from the hospital, he thought he was going to have to keep us in separate rooms because she was so jealous of me. And I think she had postpartum depression with all three of us. She gave me to my great aunt two days after I was born to just like take me for the day. (laughs) And this used to like make me like just kind of, you know, like what? But now I'm really grateful for it because I had aunts that took me on all kinds of adventures. And I mean, sometimes that was just going to a diner and sitting on a spinny stool, but I freaking loved it. You know, my wanderlust comes to me naturally from my mother and my father. But also all of these relatives who, you know, she always wanted to hand me off to somebody and have my dad all to herself. And that really benefited me because... I got to spend so much time with all of these people who really loved me and wanted to have me and take me places and show me things and teach me things. And I loved travel from a very young age. I mean, when you're little, sometimes that's just a sleepover at a friend's house or going to my grandma's house for the weekend or, you know, staying at my aunt's house for the weekend. And God, I just loved that so much. It was my favorite, favorite thing. And, um, You know, my mother let me wander the farm at a very, very young age by myself, telling herself, you know, I was just out there playing with the animals, playing with the goats or something, playing with my my baby goat friends. (laughs) But I was doing all kinds of things that I should not have been doing. I was climbing rusty machinery and swinging on rotten ropes and pretending I was driving places in old cars and... (laughs) climbing stuff I shouldn't have been I was two and a half when we moved to the farm I hadn't quite turned three yet and uh, 14 acres she'd just let me run she'd call me to the porch for lunch sometimes inside sometimes right there on the porch and then set me free again until my dad got home from work and this went on like when my brother was uh, born I was four but he wasn't uh, you know playing outside with me until a couple years later so If you ever wonder where I developed my love of solitude and adventure and solo travel, there you go. (laughs) I'm really grateful for this. You know, it makes sense to me why when I created my blueprint for this life, why I chose a mother with mental illness who did not want me around and wanted to compete with me and a father who would die way too young, um, who was a fantastic father you know, now this is all making sense. Like I can see the lessons I wanted to learn and where I wanted to grow stronger and evolve. It's really beautiful when you are able to take a step back in your fifties and see why it needed to go the way it went. So I did not expect really, my mother to show up. Not only did she show up, when, I have to tell you too, so the night that I'm, the night before when I'm crying and eating everything in sight, I had broken my juice feast, which was 14 days this time. Um, I broke it a couple days before, so two days before we were supposed to meet up. I just, and I didn't realize at first that this is what was going on, that this Fear and anxiety was building in me until the night before 
when I was eating everything I could get my hands on and I was crying and I was talking to my dad and my sister and this chihuahua that I'm sitting was licking my legs for an hour straight. She was so caring and so sweet. She just wanted to make it better. God bless her heart. Just a sweetheart. My niece called. She made me feel a lot better. Um, It was just really intense. So I was still, of course, very anxious the next day when it came time to meet her and she was over an hour late. I really thought maybe she's not coming. But she showed up and the first thing she did was hug me and cry and tell me she loved me and she missed me. And it just kind of caught me off guard. And then we spent a few hours together and had a really lovely day. It was better outside than inside. Inside the car and inside buildings, it was just a little too intense. She's still very, um, her thinking is very toxic. She's always going to see herself as a victim. And I know that comes from the pain of her childhood. Um, You can present any topic to her under the sun and she can turn it into a hateful rant. So that in enclosed spaces is just too intense for me at this point in my life with all of the animal communication work I do now, all the time I spend in, in, in trance and meditating. It's made me just a lot more sensitive to negative energy. But when we were out in the open, we went to the gorge and um, went to all of these booths outside that had um, tables full of local art, Native American jewelry. Um, That was great. And she said she really enjoyed watching me talk to people because it was an interesting way to learn more about me. Um, So... I had to get back to feed my little chihuahua friend Soda Pop and six feral cats. And that worked out great because we only spent a couple hours together. And it wasn't, you know, all rainbows and lollipops. It was, there were a few little bumpy patches because she has these multiple chapters, you know, that she has rewritten that are just pure fiction. They never happened. Terrible lies about people. That I I was there. I know that that's not the way it happened. But she's told herself these lies for so long, she now believes they're true. I used to be the subject of many of these lies, but my name didn't come up in them, so at least she knew not to do that. She does have moments I can see of also just plain dementia, where she forgets that we just went somewhere. Um, But then she also has many moments of perfect clarity about, um, you know, like she wasn't to the point where we couldn't reminisce about funny things that had happened on the farm growing up or people we knew or camping stories and things like that. So that was super cool. That was great. Um. And then she came down again today. Um, She was in a lot of pain after driving back the last time. She's over an hour away from Taos in Los Ojos. So she had her husband drive her down. And um, 
and I got to know him and discovered like, okay, we always worry. My family does that. I mean, not like we think about it a lot, but that everyone that knows her down here must think we are absolute monsters because she tells these lies about all of us. I'd never thought about the fact that we were also being told lies about her husband. I actually think he's a really great guy. I don't understand why he's with her because she treats him terrible. Um, other times she's kind of nice to him, but he's very nice to her. And she's been telling me like she can't afford a, a lawyer and he's, she's afraid of him and he's, you know, so controlling and abusive and blah, blah, blah. And, Then you meet the guy and you're like, no, I've heard all of this before about my own dad. And I know for a fact the guy was damn near a saint. He wasn't perfect. He had his shortcomings. But, um, you know, who is? We all have our challenges. We're all works in progress. And uh, her husband's uh, a really nice guy. And and someone who's controlling and abusive uh, does not ask you if, he should go to the car to get your pillow because your back is hurting or should I go get your nasal spray or, you know, just, um, very sweet and kind and caring. And I'm not an idiot. This isn't my first rodeo. I can spot an a-hole. Pardon my French. I can spot somebody who's just BSing or putting on a mask. I mean, come on, by the time we reach our fifties, we can spot this stuff a mile away. I know all of those games that people play and they think you can't pick up on and plus I'm so empathic I mean you just can't pull the wool over my eyes that easily I can see through people and anybody can you can see the little red flags little telltale signs none of that was there he's a good guy so I was glad I got to have dinner with them tonight I spent the day with her she made uh, a beautiful smudge stick for me. She'd seen me buy two at the gorge, and she's like, I'll make you some. I know how to make these, and they ended up being so pretty. I don't think I can ever burn them. Um, we had a lot of laughs. We have some very similar interests. Um, we did reach a point where she said, we started to talk about one of these completely fictional ugly stories she's made up in her head. And I was just like, you know what? I have no interest in rehashing this. I came here to see you to have a nice time with you. Let's not ruin this. Let's just drop it right here. I'm not doing this. And she kept trying to tell the story. I said, I'm not doing this. That never happened. It's not true. I'm not doing this. So I set a boundary, which, you know, has never been easy for me, but I'm getting much better at it. And guess what? We just dropped it. We dropped it, and I said, who do you want to hear about? Um, You know, and I named up several of her friends, several of our family members. My nephew's having a baby soon. And so she picked a name, and I started telling her all about what they're up to and what their life is like now and where they live and how their family is. And we just kind of went down the line, and, and it was like we just, it was like in meditation when you just gently push a thought away. It was amazing. I never knew it was possible just to put the past behind you. It seemed like such a, like one of those things a therapist would say to you and you'd be like, yeah, right. Clearly I need a different therapist. Like, do you hear what this woman did? And I'm just not in that place anymore. It's just like, oh, I'm just gonna 
start fresh. And then she followed my lead. And we pretended none of it ever happened. And you know what? It was great. So apparently all it takes for a miracle is just a little bit of willingness. And, you know, I made peace with the fact a long time ago that she was never going to apologize for anything. And so I wasn't expecting it anymore. Um, and she didn't, she hasn't. And I didn't even care. I didn't even, it didn't even enter my mind until just now. when I said that I let go of wanting people to apologize to you. It's such a waste of energy. Yes. It would be nice if they did, but it's like once you give up worrying about that and wanting them to conform to the way you want them to be, I think that's where the healing starts. And um, this was so much better than an apology, really. It's weird to say. I know that sounds like total BS, but creating new memories and just being free like of the past and so much lighter. I mean, no man steps in the same river twice. She's not the same person she was. I'm not the same person I was. Probably some things are better. Some things are worse. I don't know. How do you quantify that? You know, it's a life. Um, we are who we are today. Like, you know, maybe I'm just learning so much from the animals. They are really living in the present and they such such great examples for all of us that I I just aspire to be more like them and I guess in these last couple of days I have been and I'm really happy that that we did this and she's talking about coming down again cuz I said you know I'm still here for like another 5 days is there any chance she'll be able to come down again and she says yeah I think I can um, I think she's going to camp down here. She has a big camper that she likes to use. I asked her, I encouraged her to bring a dog with her. She has nine dogs. <laughs> they have nine dogs. Um, so I think it would be safer. I've actually just recently um, promised a, a person in the animal communication world who used to be a communicator um, who... Uh, and was a nurse before that. She has incredible intuitive abilities. She said, uh, please stop solo camping. Um, her father was a homicide detective and her stepfather. And uh, when she was 12 or 13, their sheriff was put away for being a serial killer. He tied two girls to a tree and uh, got an emergency call, had to go take it, left them tied there, and one of them got away. And he still was very convincing once she had told everyone and reported him to the authorities. He said, I was just trying to teach him a lesson. But then they were able to piece together the other murders and uh, put him away. So she has that. Uh, always kind of running in the background, but she said it um, when she first spoke with me, 
she wanted to tell me to stop solo camping, then it's not safe. And so, you know, I trust her judgment and I feel like what I did with that, I, um, you know, I've done that. I conquered my fear of solo camping and solo camping four or five miles into a national forest. I don't feel like I really need to do that again. Um, you know, I've done it a couple times now and, um, yeah, so I was okay giving that up. Not giving up camping completely. <laughs> but if I do camp, it'll be at a very well-regulated, safe campground like KOAs or something. So, so uh, am I raw right now? Nope. Uh, do I care? Only in the respect that my energy is not ideal. I want to head back into a juice feast tomorrow. Um, I really love that energy and I still really need to heal my gut and get my A1C down. December 1st, I have a follow-up to check my A1C. I want that to not be an issue when I go to do that appointment anymore, um, I I love my my brain on a juice feast. <laughs> I love the way it operates. I love the way I feel. Um, so right now, yeah, I don't have the energy that I had gotten to used to. I the energy that I love, um, the mental clarity, the high vibration. Um, no joint soreness. There's just so many things. And you know what? My mom was really interested in this. I was kind of shocked. She said, I really want to tell me, tell me more about this. I really am interested. And I kind of was like looking around like, am I being punked? <laughs> I said, uh, are you sure? Because I think most people are sick of me talking about this. <laughs> I said, I've been talking about raw veganism for at least 16 years. And uh, I'm sure everyone who knows me has had their fill. <laughs> she was like, no, I mean it. I, I just need to understand like what all it does for you. And I said, it changes your life. I said, I've gone for long stretches up to a year. And you're your best self. You are so much closer with nature. Your mind is clear. Your body is healing, healing, healing. You feel so much better. And she's like, well, tell me. And she starts to get a pen out. You know, what do I need to juice? And I said, juice what your body wants. I said, if your liver's in trouble, you're going to crave grapefruit and lemon and orange. And I said, mine must have been in trouble because, man, I loved citrus. And it's still what I prefer over anything else that I'm juicing. But I said, it's going to change, you know, you're going to, you know, your body's going to be healing one thing, then it's going to focus on something else. Maybe it's doing all of it a little bit at once, but uh, I tend to think, um, you know, it hits the biggest fires first. And uh, she was genuinely interested. And let me tell you, oh, for many years, I just kind of held on to the fact that my mother and my sister, under all of that rage and sadness and anger and 
viciousness that their true selves were buried deep under all those toxins and that maybe it wouldn't happen. It probably wouldn't happen, but a miracle was possible. Like they were still in there somewhere. And I think some of that had to do too with having that, that dream um, when I meditated on my heart chakra where we were in the red cave in Vena Cava laughing our asses off. Um, that I knew their true selves were still in there. That it was more than just that's who they would be when they transitioned to the other side. You know, it was it was like I knew that that was who they truly were, but that they still were capable if they could get beneath all of those toxins, that they could strip all that away, their true joyous selves would be in there. You know, if you have read or listened to any interviews with um, Victoria Everett, she, she healed her own schizophrenia with raw foods. I mean, that's miraculous. So I knew that all of this mental illness would disappear if they could ever do that. In fact, this morning I offered to my brother and he never did answer me. I texted him. I said, you know, if you ever want me to take you away to a cabin in the middle of nowhere, tie you up Johnny Cash style and walk the line or um, Nancy Wall's glass castle, uh, tie you up to a bed and help you detox and just fill you with fresh juice. Say the word. We'll do art. We'll do music. Lots of nature. I'm totally down for it. I said this was always um, something that I wanted to to do with our sister. I said, but with her, I said, I should have just asked you like I'm asking should have asked her like I'm asking you now. I said, instead, this fantasy always involved me kidnapping her. <laughs> but you know, they're, they're both alcoholics, so I just didn't think they would go willingly. But now looking back, I think my sister would have. <sighs> so I'm glad that I asked my brother today, and maybe, maybe he'll take me up on it someday. My brother's not vicious and aggressive. He's brooding. And he's a fantastic artist. He was. He he was born that way. But he shut that all down. And um, and he's a high-functioning alcoholic. He goes to a job that he doesn't really like and um, lives someplace he doesn't really want to live, except that he lives close to his daughter, but he doesn't really want to live in Iowa. And he uh, does play guitar, um, so he enjoys that. But... Um, he doesn't believe he's capable of more, of like really living a life of passion and happiness and art and creativity. And that's really who he was as a kid, you know? But depression hit him hard. It runs it runs so heavy in our family. And so he's been self-medicating. You know, he's very open about that for most of his life with alcohol. And um, I told him, I just feel like everyone should get to know their best self. Like, if you ever want to meet your best self, I'm not saying you have to stick to this after the detox or anything, but I said, if you want to meet your best self, let's 
you know, go to a cabin for 30 days. I, I'll, I'll, I'll totally do this with you. So he didn't answer me, but at least I've put it out there. And I encourage you to put it out there to someone that you love. Um, they will probably never take you up on it, but at least you'll know that you proposed the idea, that you put it out there. You did your part. I really encourage you to do this. So my mother, the fact that she is even considering juicing, and she's so good at thrifting. I said, you know, you seem to be really good at thrifting. I said, you'll be able to find a juicer easily. I said, people get them all the time and decide they don't like her. It's too much work or whatever. And they donate it. I said, I don't have a fancy juicer. I have a very simple, cheap one I bought for like 50 bucks at Bed Bath & Beyond several years ago. So you don't need something extravagant to start with. Just start, you know, just start where you are. You don't need a bunch of complicated recipes. That's not true to nature. Eating, you know, drinking raspberry, pineapple, blueberry, mango, you know. I mean, great if you want to make that for a treat. But out in the wild, you wouldn't have that luxury. You wouldn't have the luxury of drinking juice either. You'd be eating the whole fruit. But for cleansing purposes, you know, it's it's a pretty neat luxury. Um so I just, my mind's blown that she's even thinking about this. It's one thing to say to somebody, it'll change your life. But if she did this, I mean, a lot of her problems would disappear. Not all of them. Um, it's not going to fix her back that needs surgery. It's not going to re-break her wrist so that it heals correctly. You know, there's some things that we need help with from, you know, modern medicine. But just eliminating all that inflammation, um, clearing her head, healing her heart, you know, it wouldn't happen overnight. Maybe she doesn't have enough time left to even do this, but the time she would have left would be so much better if she was juicing or eating raw vegan She's just, you know, I always thought I was probably just like them. By the way, this was the meanest thing my sister and I could say to each other growing up. You're just like her. Like, oh, no, you didn't. You went there. You said that. That was like war. You just didn't say that to each other unless, man, that was really the worst thing you could say. And, you know, when my sister came down here to visit my mother a number of years ago, she confessed to me that it was because she was really worried that she was just like her. And in my mind, because I've been studying raw foods since 2000, I knew that it was my mother's side of the family that has this extreme sensitivity to sugar. And I think processed foods and chemicals most likely but sugar, and then they became alcoholics. You know, we all started out as sugar addicts in my family, and those three, my brother, my sister, and my mother, just took it to the next level with alcohol, which is also sugar. Um, a lot of alcoholics started out as sugar addicts and just um, needed something stronger to get to that place. And... 
when you take away all, you know, it's like any river can run itself clean if you stop poisoning it, stop polluting it. And, you know, that's the same thing for our bodies. So imagine, you know, she's in her 70s. If she stopped polluting the river, let it run itself clean. It's not too late for it to be life-changing. I know this is really... Um, this is really a tall order, but even if she dabbled in it, she'd be happier. And you can tell someone that it's life-changing, but she really has no earthly idea. Some of you know. It's just the difference is night and day and how you feel, and how you perceive things, how you think, that raw lens is so powerful. You know, she would be closer with nature. She wouldn't be so angry. It's just, I really wish that for her. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. But, I mean, because... If you're starting from where a place like she is to make it to that fifth day where everything really starts to change, you're probably going to have uh, a half a dozen false starts where you make it one day and maybe three days, maybe four, but then maybe one day. Then You know what I mean? She's going to do the cha-cha for a while probably. But that's okay. Everybody's on their own path. Better doing the cha-cha than just standing there drowning in your own misery, right? At least she's, you know, thinking about taking a step forward with self-healing. Like, God, miracles never cease. This whole thing has been such a miracle. So I'm very happy to share this with you, and I hope that you can carry this into your own lives in some way. If there's someone in your life who has taken on a soul contract with you where they have agreed to play the villain in your life and just be impossible to get along with, know that this is a soul that loves you like no other. And that's why they agreed to be the villain. And someday you're going to have a really good laugh about it. And time's not linear, so that is not far off. And none of us are guaranteed tomorrow, so let's not waste our time dwelling in the past. Just chuck it. Stop hanging on to it. Just open your heart and offer someone else some peace some attention, some love, and just see what happens because they may just follow your lead. They may just, maybe they think they're getting away with something like, holy shit, she's not going to hold me to any of this. She's not going to make me say I'm sorry. She's not going to call me out on anything. She's going to let me get away with this. You know, that may have been what this all was. I'm totally fine with that. Who cares? Bottom line, we're actually enjoying each other's company. 
That is something I never thought would happen. I never, ever thought I would look forward to spending time with her. You know, to say my mother would like, those were very foreign words to hear come out of my mouth. I've called my mother by her first name for decades. So, miracles happen. Open your heart. You know, whether you're raw or not, live in the present like animals do. And you'll be amazed, I think, what can happen. But I am very anxious to get back to my juicing. And part of me wished I would have been juicing through this whole thing. Like, wow, you know, what would that have been like? I'll always wonder. But me not at my best, eating some junky stuff, it still was freaking miraculous what's happened with my mother. I've still had a really good time. Life is not about perfection. Yes, I want to heal. Yes, that is the way I prefer to be. Yes, that is my best self. Raw vegan, 80-10-10 or better. But we're not striving for perfection here. We're human beings. We're flawed human beings. And sometimes you're just doing the best you can. And it's not pretty what you're eating. But this is life, you know? And I can also look at this and say, well, it was pretty damn good. And I wasn't even eating well. What lies ahead when I am eating well, when I am at my best? I can't even imagine. I can't even, like, I'm going some incredible places. I get to go back to Hawaii in in January for several months. I, you know, I'm going um, back to California to see awesome friends, awesome dogs, I'm visiting family that I haven't seen in a long time. I'm getting to meet um, their kids who I've, some of them I've never met. And every time I land in a new um, sitting uh, assignment that I've accepted, I get to meet new animals. And some of them are just so precious. Like even these feral cats, they're beautiful and you can feel the love. Like, yeah, they're afraid of me, but. Every day they're a little bit closer. They know I know their names. You know, I was watching this cat documentary on Netflix. It's like inside the mind of cats. And uh, the first half of it, I was just like, man, they said they're 15 years behind the uh, dog research. God, 15 only because it was really surprising. The first thing they were trying to prove was, do they know their names? And I was like, are you kidding me? Do they know their names? Said I joked, I made a TikTok last night. I said, yeah, uh, he knows your name. He also knows you peed your pants at the grocery store this morning and you ate those Oreos in the pantry with the door shut. But then I made another TikTok following up. I said, I'm just kidding. Like, they don't tell me this stuff. They're, your animals are not ratting out your personal, uh, you know, mishaps and 
and issues. Um, it's not like that at all. But I just thought it was funny. Like, do they know their names? Like, it's an actual scientific study. And it's like, you've got to be kidding me. I have animals telling me all kinds of things. I had a cat tell me, or no, it was a dog. Like, tell her to check the smoke detectors. And it turned out she didn't have a single working smoke detector in her house. She just kept putting them in the garage for her husband to replace the batteries not realizing they were all out there and he was working seven days a week and didn't get to them. So for months, they'd had no smoke detectors and her dog is fully aware of this. So there are much stranger things than that going on with these animals, but um, yeah. So anyway, This is a long podcast, but I had a lot to say. Thank you for tuning in. I know you could have done a lot of things with this 45 minutes, but you chose to be here with me, and that's super cool, and I'm really glad you were, and I hope some of this helps you in some way, and if you ever want to talk to me, um, I am on TikTok, uh, Sherry Michelle with Heartlight Animal Communications. I am on Facebook. I am on Twitter. Uh, I believe Twitter is under Raw Nomadic Lens. Um, my Instagram is Raw Nomadic Lens. Uh, let's see what else. What else? I, don't know, I feel like I'm on all the platforms now, in one way or another. If it's not under Animal com- Communication, I'm on YouTube. I believe I'm Raw Nomadic Lens there. I talk about my juice feasting there. Um, I need to do one of those tomorrow to let everybody there know. You know, when I went off my feast, um, I made a list of all the reasons I shouldn't go in the grocery store right now. I shouldn't break my juice feast. And you know what the two I forgot to put on there was you guys here at the podcast and YouTube. And I know if I would have remembered to put those on the list, I wouldn't have done it. I'm just sure. Because when it occurred to me that I was going to have to tell you guys that I broke my feast and that I was eating junk again, like, oh, God, I just felt so bad. Like, <laughs> I just really hate disappointing people. And I should care more about disappointing myself, letting myself down. But full transparency here, I felt terrible for you guys. Like, I didn't want to let you down again. But you know what? I'll just start over tomorrow. You know, it is what it is. And... I'm okay with that, and I'm still moving forward in so many ways. I'm still on the right path. I just stumble a little, and I just keep going. That's You know, you just got to keep going, keep getting up. I'm always going to return to Raw because it feels so good. Life is so much better on Raw, whether you're juicing or eating Raw Vegan. If you're doing it, you know exactly what I'm talking about, and good for you. So worth it. And I actually made a recording, two, three recordings, when I was suffering the consequences. And, you know, you break a juice feast wrong, you're going to be very constipated, and your stomach's going to hurt, and you're going to feel all bloated, and especially if you have, like, leaky gut, and uh, it's just... I was in real misery there for a couple days, and I recorded because I have long wished for a button I could push to remind me when I'm about to break raw or break a juice feast, to remind me just how awful I'm going to feel 
And I thought, oh my gosh, I record my podcasts. I can record just how terrible I feel right now and then later push a button and get a little refresher on, hey, you don't want to feel like that. It's so not worth it. So that was something cool that came out of it. So I have three recordings. Um, the third one being, uh, it's not one day. It's never going to be one day or one hour, like you tell yourself. All right, just one day, and then I get back on tomorrow. Or just one one hour, and then I'm right back on. No, baloney. And I have the uh, tape to prove it. <laughs> I recorded myself saying, you know what? It's usually weeks. Um, just, you know, to be honest with myself. And now I have those recordings to go back to. So you might want to try that if you're struggling. Um, I think it's an interesting idea. And I'm really psyched to know that I've got that tool in my toolbox now too, where I can just push play and relive what it's like to, to stumble. And then it's, you know, it's not easy to get back on track. And I really think it's going to make a difference. All right, really signing off now. Thank you so much for tuning in and carpe diem.